This week's parasha is Parashat Yitro. Okay, and we're going to discuss, if you know, with this week's parasha, we receive the Ten Commandments. Now, before we even start, I want to see. This is, just, this is just for fun. You have to tell me how many of the Ten Commandments you know. Number one is... No, 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 give it, to, okay, I won't give you the order, just give me, no, okay. Oh, it's okay, what? I, I am Hashem, your God. Don't okay. steal. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't covet the wealth of others. Don't covet the wealth of others. Don't covet the wealth of others. Okay, one second, honor your father and mother, right, don't covet the wealth of others. No adultery, right? Keep Shabbat, love the seven. He said jealousy, he said don't covet the wealth of others. We've got seven. We're missing three. Stealing. He didn't say, did you say stealing? You said stealing. What? I said, Right. Oh, okay. What's the other one? What? The next one he's talking about is don't have other gods. And I knew these two were going to miss. The, eight, the, the other eight are not so hard. These two are the ones that everyone forgets. One is... You can't testify a friend your, against your friend falsely. Testimony. False right. testimony. False witness. Yes, false witness. And number 10, it's not the 10th one in order, but number 10 is, you can't say Hashem's name in vain, you can't swear Hashem's name in vain. So we have the 10, just curious, I thought you'd get 8 or not 2. That's what I thought. We were right. Okay, let's go. Now, we're going to this, we can't discuss all 10 of them. We're going to discuss the last one. Number 10. Number 10 is, do not, like he said, covet your friend's wealth. The Pasuk says on page 355, you can check the Pasukim, and you check the Pasuk, it's Pasuk 14. It says, Do not, do not, Lo Tachmod, do not be jealous, don't covet your friend, your friend's, Betreecha, your friend's house. Don't covet your friend's wife, Va'avdor and his servant, Va'amator and his maid, Vishoro and his ox, Va'chamoro and his donkey, and everything that is your friend's. One pasuk, the pasuk tells us, do not be jealous of everything that your friend has. Now, we just listed the Ten Commandments, and almost every one of them sound to me to be very severe. Hashem is your God, don't have other gods, keep Shabbat. Don't kill, don't know adultery, no stealing. These are, like we said, essential commandments. Don't respect your parents. Of course, we have parents here, and respect your parents, a very important one. Okay? How does this fit in? Don't testify against your friend. There's also, you know, you could do tremendous harm by testifying against him. It's a tremendous sin. How does this fit in? Don't be jealous of your friend. Big deal. Okay. Okay, Jeffrey, we'll get to your answer. It's a good point. But that's our first question, is why is this sin, number nine, so dramatic? Now here comes question number two, then you'll get your chance to give your answers. Like we said, there's ten commandments. And I think most of you know that the ten commandments are really split in half. The first five are commandments between us and Hashem, between us and God, and the next five are between man and man. The first, right? And Rashi tells us, not here, but Rashi somewhere else in Shira Shirin says that each one of the first five corresponds to one of the second five. For example, follow me, number one is, I am Hashem your God. That's number one on the first five. Number one on the second five is, 
Don't. Let me see if I can remember this. Number one on the second five is don't kill. Don't, don't kill. And as she says, they correspond because someone who kills is like you're killing someone. A, a man is creating the image of God. And so if you're killing, you're somehow diminishing the, the presence of God in this world. So number one corresponds to number one. Number two corresponds to number two. If you have Abu Dazara, Rashi says, Abu Dazara is your straying, you're going to another God. That corresponds to the second commandment, no, of straying and going like a person, going, a married woman, so being adultery, being with another man. It's like a Jew. A Jew being, serving another God is like a married woman being with another man. Again, they correspond. Rashi tells us number two on the first column corresponds to number two on the second column. Now she then tells us, number three corresponds to number three. Number three is that if swearing falsely, that corresponds with stealing. Because you know why? First someone steals, and once you take the money, now you have to lie, you have to go and swear falsely, so they correspond. Number four corresponds, number four on the first column, again, is equivalent to number four on the second column. If you don't keep Shabbat, number four is Shabbat. If you don't keep Shabbat, it's going to, it's just like someone who testifies falsely because you're testifying falsely on Hashem. So Shabbat is equivalent of testifying falsely because you're testifying that your uh, Shabbat is the witness that God rested on the seventh day that God created the world. You're testifying falsely if you don't keep Shabbat. Okay, those are the first four. You know what we're leading up to is number five. Here's number five. Number five is, as she says, is respect your father and mother. What, right? And it corresponds, yeah, A.B., respect your father and mother. And it corresponds, one second, and right, the other A.B., it corresponds to the commandment of don't be jealous. Why? As she says again, because if someone... If someone is a person who lives his life with jealousy, his children won't respect him. Now that, to me, seems like a rough connection. The first one, the first four we got. The connection number five we want to understand. If you're a person who's jealous and you're jealous of your friend's house, wife, and servant, and donkey, for some reason your child is not going to respect you. You Can you tell me how in the world, what this to me seems apples and oranges, what does one thing have to do with the other? So those are our two questions. Question number one is how does Lord Tachmor don't be jealous at all rate and fit with the other, four, the other ten? And question number two is what Rashi told us, this Rashi is in Shira Shirim. He tells us, it says, Shne Shaddai, a woman, your two... Breast means uh, are equal. The tuameh, the equal. What does it mean? No, no, don't say that. The equal. The, what it means is the two commandments, the two tablets, are even. Each one corresponds to the other. Again, question number two is how does how does number five on the first column? How in the world does jealousy have anything to do with losing of losing respect? Parents losing their children, losing respect for their parents. Now. We, as, we, as you know, we're going to take a little while, but that's we're going to answer these questions. Now, when we approach this kind of subject, when we're talking about jealousy, it's a little different than the subject we discussed the past couple of weeks. When we discussed the past couple of weeks, we discussed free will. There's opinions on there. There's really a lot of back and forth in the, in the commentaries. There's, a mach, there's machloka. We have Rambam and Ramban. It's not a simple subject. 
This is not simple either. But this has, we have a different approach here. We're not coming, we're not going to have proofs one way or the other way. It's not so much of a dialogue. It's more to see what is the Chachamim's approach to this subject, to jealousy. Again, it's Musad. We're not here to give others Musad because I could sit on the table and turn face this way and say everything I could say here, I could say to me. And really it all is, is not, what we're going to see again is how the Chachamim, the Chachamim with their vast knowledge and deep understanding, how they understand what jealousy is and what it does to somebody. And number one, we're going to see the signs of jealousy. Okay? And we have, and what's interesting, when you see people have a bad characteristic as opposed to a bad action, a bad action you can see when someone steals, you can see it. He goes to someone's house, he takes the money, that's it. But when a person has a bad characteristic, you usually don't see it. What it's like is, you don't see it as open. What it's like is, is I don't know if you ever, when you were a kid, and you were like, maybe 12 years old, and you woke up in the middle of the night, and you wanted to see if your parents were up or not, right? So how'd you do? You didn't go into their room, because you can't go into the room. They're not going to let you in, they're going to see you up. So what you do is you go to the door and you check if there's a little crack underneath the door. If you see a little bit of light coming out from the bottom, you know the lights are on, they're up, and you better be careful, right? If, the thing, if that little crack is dark, then you know everything is fine. The same thing is with people's characteristics. Usually you want to detect what's inside. You can't open the door and see inside. You can see there's a little crack. And from that little crack, you can tell what's going on inside. One of these examples is in the Chumash, in, in Parashat Miketz. Okay, in that parashat, the pasuk tells us that Yosef was in jail and Paro had his dreams. And then the Saramashkin, one of the people that was in jail with Yosef, came to Paro and he said, you need someone to interpret your dreams. I have somebody who could come and interpret your dreams. He's going to go and recommend Yosef. It sounds like a very noble, a noble act. He's going to come and recommend Yosef. Beautiful. The pasuk... You, you read the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, you see how he describes Yosef. Again, it's a very nice and simple description. He says, Visham Itano, there was with us, not Ivri Evid. There was with us a, ki- a child, a young man who was Ivri, who was a Hebrew, and he was a slave, and he's just describing Yosef, that's what Yosef was. Rashi, Awachachamim, see the crack. They can see inside the room. What the Rashi says, you know what Nar means? Nar means he's a kid and he's not worthy of any greatness. He's a kid, he's dumb, he's, forget him. He's Ivri, he's Hebrew, he speaks Hebrew, he doesn't speak our language, he, has, you know, he doesn't relate to us. And number four is Evid, he's a slave, a slave can never be king, and Mitzrayim was the rule that, excuse me, a slave can never be king. In other words, he's giving a simple description, but Rashi sees, Rashi could see, the Chachamim can see the crack. They can see from that little crack, they see the little light, they see how he's not saying it clearly, he's not shambling Yosef, he doesn't, you don't see the words, he's not saying terrible things about Yosef, he just says small, slight hints, to show, subtle hints to show that he can't, like he can't stomach Yosef's greatness, and that gives the whole thing away. Okay? I'll give you another example. Nechachamim Purim is coming up soon, and the Gemara tells us there are three kings who ruled the entire world. Number one was Nebuchadnezzar, the other one was Achav, who was a Jewish king, and the third one is Achashverosh. That's what the Gemara tells us. The Midrash that corresponds to this Gemara does not, says it's not so simple. The Midrash says Achashverosh used to have a different name, his name used to be Koresh. And when his name was Koresh, he was the king of the entire world. 
But then he lost half his kingdom. Why? Ahasuerosh lost half his kingdom. He says, you know why? Because Ahasuerosh said, when, he was, when, he was caught, when his name was Koresh, he said, Hashem is the ruler over Yerushalayim. He said, Hashem rules over Yerushalayim. Doesn't sound like such a big thing. Hashem understood. What Ahasuerosh is trying to say is he doesn't want to give Hashem full credit. He's trying, you know, he can't, he's not going to say Hashem doesn't rule the world. He says Hashem, he rules over Yerushalayim. He doesn't rule the whole world. He rules Yerushalayim. He's hinting, again, he's showing that he can't stomach that Hashem rules the entire world. Hashem says, if you can't stomach that I rule the entire world, you're not going to rule the entire world. And Ahasuerosh lost half his kingdom. That's what the Midrash says. Again, it's the same thing. He doesn't come right out and say, I am jealous of you. No one ever came over to you and told you, you know, you have everything, I have nothing, I'm really, really jealous of the wife you have, of the car you have. No one ever says that. What they say is, oh, you got that car? Really, it's, you know, they give you a little comment to make you feel, to show that you could tell that they can't stomach it. You could see from the crack what's going on inside the room. And now we're going to see... You see the signs of a jealous person. Now we're going to see what the Chachamim say is the how al Chachamim what they what happens and what is going on inside of a person who's jealous. This is an interesting Gemara in Shabbat. Gemara tells us that even tzaddikim, even righteous people, when they're buried, their body rots and it turns into dirt. It turns into afar. And the Gemara, the, the Rab Mari says the statement and he quotes a pasuk: "V'yashuv ha'afar el ha'aretz." It goes back, even no matter what the body is, it goes back to the dirt of the land. Then the Gemara tells us a story. There were people in the backyard of a rabbi named Reb Nachman. The people in his backyard, they're digging. They're digging in his backyard, and sure enough, they hit on a corpse. And the Gemara says that the corpse, which is the body, reacted. The corpse like made us like a face unhappy that he was touched by the shovel. Okay? And they go and they identify who's the corpse. It's the body of Rabbi Achar Bar Yoshiao, a great rabbi of Achar who passed away many, many generations ago. Again, the people who are digging are frightened. They see a little co- a corpse there. The corpse is moving. They go running into their father. They go running to their master's house. They tell Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman, you have to come and check out this corpse. The corpse is moving. Something happened. Rabbi Nachman comes over to the corpse and he looks inside and he says, why didn't you turn into dirt yet? Dead. This is, of course, for thousands and thousands of years. Why didn't it turn into de- dirt? The corpse answers. This is what the Gemara says. The corpse responds. And he says, and the corpse says, why should I turn into dirt? He said, so Rabbi Nachman says, what do you mean? Rabbi Mari said, a great rabbi said, that anybody, every, and no matter, even a Sadiq, once he dies, he turns his body, turns into dirt. So what happened? He says, who's Reb Mari? Why should I have to listen to Reb Mari? He says, what do you mean? But there's a pasuk. The pasuk says, El Yashuv. Your body turns into dirt. What do you do about that pasuk? He says, the rabbi who taught you that pasuk in Kohelet forgot to teach you Tehillim. There's another pasuk that says, the Asmotar Virakab Asmotar Kin'ah. What makes bones rot is jealousy. He says, only people who have jealousy in their bones... Those people in their body live their life with jealousy, their body rots. The people who don't live their life with jealousy, their body doesn't rot. I, Rabbi Achar Bari live my life without any jealousy. My body never rots. The Maharal, there's one of the commentaries on the Gemara, says that this was an actual conversation. He says that what happened was, this was Rabbi Achar, the Nachman was thinking this. Again, this is not the simple Peshat. The simple Peshat in the Gemara is that they were talking. 
There was a conversation back and forth. The Maharal says, not like that. But whatever, either way, the Gemara is telling us this conclusion. This conclusion. That the reason why the person's bones rot is out of jealousy. In other words, what the Gemara is showing us is that jealousy is not just a characteristic, it's a disease. It's a sickness. Your body, you become overcome, you become obsessed and possessed with jealousy. You can't stay, you can't live, you can't... You, 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 day and night, you're just overcome with this, your bones feel it. You're overcome, you can't deal with the, someone else's success. In order to understand what jealousy is, we're going to quote one of his famous Sifarim, and these Sifarim, this, the Chovot HaLevavot. When we quote a book like this, the Chovot HaLevavot is not just a book written 10 years ago from a rabbi telling us, you know, how he, what he thinks. Chovot HaLevavot is written by one of the Rishonim, Rabbeinu Bachya, written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And these books, when you read these books, every chapter in this book, every paragraph in these books, are what is our base, our essential understanding of what Kinah is. These rabbis have to take all the words of the Chachamim and put it and structure it for us to understand the, their perspective. And in this Chovot what he's telling us in Shara Bechinah, it's a, the chapter that's discussing appreciating Hashem and appreciating the creation and appreciating what Hashem gave us and seeing Hashem in the creation. And his introduction to the chapter, Rabbeinu Bachya, the Chovot what says... He says, how come people don't do this? How come it's so obvious, Hashem, everything Hashem gave you, if you think for five minutes, it's impossible not to see it, how come people don't do it? Do what? Why don't people appreciate Hashem? How come they don't go outside, you see grass, you see your body, you feel your hands, He gave you air to breathe, He gave you thousands and millions of presents, and how come people just don't appreciate it? People can go weeks, two weeks, without appreciating one thing. Listen here. Listen to me. Okay, the, the Gemara says, the, the Chavot HaLevavot says, you know why? Because people are so obsessed with running after other possessions. And they spend their entire life acquiring something, material something, getting more material, acquiring more. Their life is like a game. They need to score more points and more points and more points. They can never, never stop and think about what they already have. They're possessed with, and he says, that's what they have is jealousy. They're possessed with this obsession to see everything as how much more can I acquire. Every time someone else acquired something, it means I lost, I didn't get enough. It's, as long as you're running after that, you can't even appreciate Hashem, you can't see Hashem. Again, he's saying you the same thing. Jealousy is not just a characteristic. It's an obsession. It's someone can sit and live jealous for hours and days and weeks. You could just stay in that state of frame of mind. One of these psychological books, books on psychology, they tell you there are people, and they say a lot of people have different perspectives on life. And they say some people look at life, everything in this world, as win-lose. In other words, everything that I get is a victory, and it's all a matter of how many victories. It's like as if you're playing a ball game, I scored a point tonight, I lost the game tonight, I won, I lost. Everything is how much I win. And when you think that way, every time someone else wins, you think that you lose. That's win-lose. I won, if he won, that means I lost. If yesterday he got a car, I didn't get my car, I lost. If my friend won something, I lost. And so they sit their whole life, and they say most people are born this way. You have sibling rivalry, your friends, you're trying to gain, you're trying to win. If someone else won, you lost. And he says most people, they say the other people that live their life lose-win. 
they say, forget it, you know, I, it's not my business, I can't succeed, I can't get anywhere, forget it, yeah, he won, don't worry, he's trampled right all over me. And they say people, they say, that people usually switch back and forth, you start off win-lose, you want to get as much as you can, then you feel guilty, so you go back to lose-win, you go win-lose-lose-win, lose, win. you go back and forth, but the point is, as long as you sit your life in a win-lose mentality, obsessed and trying to acquire, trying to get more, trying to score a point, every time you don't score, every time someone else scores, it means you lost. And again, that's the reason why you sit and don't appreciate. I was thinking about this the other day. Imagine 90, 80 years ago, okay, a man driving in his car, he gets out of he has this old, these junky cars, you know, they're trying to, you know, the cars of those days, right? Whatever they look like, then you get out of the car, it's raining, you get stuck in a hole, you gotta get out, and you gotta, and, and you know, you, someone has to, you have to wind the car, it was a whole ordeal. Imagine today, if you got into a car, God forbid it didn't have a cup holder. You got here, mine, right? I have my coffee, where do I put my coffee? What's, what, 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 what's such a big deal? You got to use your cell phone and the coffee at the same time. It's, it's, it's impossible, why is it impossible? You, you flip out, you know why you flip out? I'll tell you why you flip out, you know why? Because you know that it's there, it's another possession to have. 70 years ago, if you had one of these cars that you had to wind, you'd be ecstatic. You'd be ecstatic. But today... Again, you sit and you're obsessed with trying to acquire, your friend has that car, your friend has the car that rides over the snow, could drive over a mountain straight, and you can't do that, right? If God forbid your coffee spills, no, no, we're not talking about that car. If God forbid, God forbid your coffee spills when you go over a bump, you think like you have a terrible car, right? Again, it's only because what he has, what he has, can I... And so what you see is Kena'a is much more. You, there are other characteristics. Time out, time out. No, no. Please, come on. There are other, you're, there are other characteristics, right? Gaba, Kas. There are many characteristics. Come on. There are many characteristics that are no good. But Kas is something that, you know what, it lasts an hour. It can last a nighttime. Kena'a is something that a person can live. And that focus, obsessed with jealousy for hours, days, weeks, years. You can live your life obsessed with win-lose. I won, he won, I lost. You're totally obsessed. Now we can understand a couple of examples of this. Okay? And our first example is a Gemara about the brothers of Yosef. And let me tell you, we, uh, before we even start, I want to make sure this is clear. We understand that the brothers of Yosef, when they sold Yosef, okay, what they did, it was clearly, again, it was almost muskan from Hashem. Okay, it was agreed upon by Hashem. What they did, their decision was very clear and straight, and we could never ever, God forbid at all, second guess what they did. Okay, again, was, was eventually they did Teshuvah, but we, that's not even the point. Second, we can't second guess their act. Okay, there are the brothers of Yosef, the 12 tribes Hashem, put them on Hashem, on the best bed of a queen Gadol for a reason. But the Gemara makes this statement. The Gemara says, a person should never favor one child over the other child. You should never favor one child over the other. Because you know why? Because the brother, Yaakov Avinu, favored one child. He gave Yosef, he gave Yosef a coat. A coat that's worth two coins. It was a simple coat. And because of that, it caused jealousy that would eventually have Yosef sold as a slave and eventually caused the Jewish people to have to go down to Mitzrayim. The Gemara is saying, telling us that that little ounce of jealousy in some way, this Gemara in Shabbat, 
in some way was somewhat caused our eventual pilgrimage down to Mitzrayim. We went down to Egypt because of a tiny bit of, how is it possible? It's a coat. Big deal. Because it's not the coat. What happens is you see the coat and you become possessed. You become, a person could go off a bit, become almost sick. You have a child that you just smile at once more than the other. And you give one child, you know, you're, you're, you're a little more excited about how she does on the test than the other one. It's not the test. It's not the smile. What happens is she thinks you like the other one can be jealous for months and years. It's not just a small little act. Now you understand, again, the story of Haman. Gemara tells us in Megillah, there are a few different opinions as to when the Megillah begins. One opinion is the entire Megillah is important. There's another opinion that says that the Megillah starts from Balailahu, that that night the Melech couldn't sleep. That's when the Megillah begins. And there's another opinion that says that the Megillah starts from Achar HaDivarim HaEleh, after all these actions, Bashti was killed, Haman was raised. And what the Gemara says is because this opinion feels, in essence what the Gemara says, this opinion feels that the whole story of the Megillah is about Haman. It's understanding what happened to Haman. And the end of the Megillah, it says a pasuk, it says, to describe the entire Megillah, it says, Mara'u al-Kacha, Mara'u al-Kacha, Uma alehim. What does it mean? Mara'u, this opinion says, Mara'u means, what did Haman see to be jealous of all the Jewish people? Al-Kacha. What he saw was this. He saw Mordechai not bowing to him. What was the result? That him and his children were hung. In other words, the Gemara, this opinion is saying, the essence of the story is to see it through what happened to Haman. What is happened to Haman? Haman was a man who had absolutely everything. Again, there's one man. One man who's not bowing down to him, and that would eventually cause it causes an entire downfall. So how does it make any sense? It does, it's almost impossible to fathom. How can a person? But the answer is because jealousy becomes a sickness. And you become obsessed. And there's that one thing that I didn't get. And there's, he has everything. But there's one thing he didn't get. And it, that sticks in, his, it sticks in his brain. And he can't get over it. And he can't get over it. I think that you, a lot of people have this Haman syndrome. Most people are pretty, okay, everything's decent. My life's okay. But there's one guy. Maybe it's one classmate who God had life a little easier than you. Or one friend. There's one guy that sticks in your cross, so to speak. And that you just can't get him out of your mind. And you can't get him out of your focus it's just that man, that, you know, that neighbor down the block. How come he was able to, all of a sudden, his business, I sat, I went to, I don't know what, I was working on my business for 10 years. This man overnight, he's an overnight success. And everyone else, you're not jealous of. This one guy that just sticks in your mind and bothers you. That's the Haman syndrome. Haman had one man stuck in his mind and drove him crazy and eventually caused his downfall. And the same is true again with Korach. The exact, almost... The exact same thing. Korach had what you would think is the perfect life. The Gemara tells us Korach had 300 donkeys that had on it. Keys. Three, exactly. Keys. 300 donkeys just to have his keys to all his warehouses. Okay? That, you can imagine that kind of wealth. And he's carrying the Aron, which means he's from the top four Levi'im. After Moshe Rabbeinu, he's top four. So maybe in the entire Jewish people, he might be rated somewhere in, you would say, the top ten. But you know what? He spent this whole, again, he was Aaron, Moshe, there was someone at top of him that he could imagine. All that wealth, and all that Kiddushah, he's carried, I don't, could, could a man have anything, could it be any better than that? 
Korach, again, would eventually bring his entire downfall, maybe lose his chalik and ulam killed, destroyed. The whole thing would fall down because of a, a tiny dot of jealousy. Now, I'd like to give an example that happens today, but I don't want to use, but this is the only example, this is the example I could come up with. Hazid, I almost feel bad for him already. But it, there's right now a Democratic nominate, right? Democratic? Yeah, okay. And now, about a week ago, about four months, a month ago, this Kerry fellow was nobody, right? He could, he could have passed him by on the street. No one really cared about him. There was, there was one guy, and then there was the rest of the field. There was Howard Dean and the rest of the field, right? What happened? They had a little caucus in Iowa, right? No, no, no. What's, I know, I know. Okay, time out. And what happened? Okay, that's your that's, opinion. That's what happened. But let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Here's what happens. You'll give your opinions off the tape. You'll give all your opinions, okay? <laughs> what happens? They have a caucus. A few farmers, Hazid, voted against them. Right? He lost. Why, what's, who's in Iowa? Is there anybody in Iowa that anybody here knows? But there's a few farmers there. Right? And those farmers, Hazid, voted against him. And that night, again, I never saw this, but I heard it a little bit on the radio. That night, the man got up and started yelling and screaming, Michigan and New York and this and that. And then he ended it off with some, I don't know what. What did he do? He showed... That little crack. He showed that he was sick to his stomach from jealousy. After that, like Jeffrey said, everyone figured it out and he was done. But the point is, again, the man showed his crack. He showed that little ounce. He showed that ounce of jealousy that maybe he was trying to hide for a month. Okay? And now this guy, John Kerry, is, what's his name? John Wright is on charge of the whole thing. And according to our, some of our news correspondents here, he's Jewish. His, yes, his father's father and his mother's mother is Jewish. Which therefore means he's a real, real Jew. Okay, whatever, you deal with that a different time. Again, that's for our other correspondents here. But right now, <laughs> that's what now you understand, with this we understand that Ambam. That Ambam says, there's a difference of opinions here. Rabotai. There's a difference of opinion in the, in the Chachamim as to whether... There's a difference of opinion in the Chachamim as to whether um, what's the, the Isur of jealousy, where does it begin? Some feel it only begins, Lotachmor only means if you go and actually do something, act on your jealousy. If you go to your friend and try to buy his car because you're jealous of his car, that even though you buy it and paid, that is, that is the Isur. But the Rambam holds it starts before that. The Rambam says just being in your house. And thinking thoughts of jealousy, you already did a isur in one of the 613 isurim in Torah. Just, just being in your bed and thinking about your neighbor's house, you already committed a sin. That's what the Nambam says. And then the Nambam continues, says, you know why it's so dramatic? Because you starts with tab, you have this the little desire for your friend's house. Then you do tachmod, you go and you try to buy it. You can't buy it, you try to steal it. You can't steal it, you kill the guy. In other words, this obsession can go so far and can bring you so far that it could bring you to murder. Yes, that's what the Ramadan says. You never, you have seen it all day. It's in the news every day of the week, right? Once some guy goes kills his friend because he took his girlfriend. His jealousy. That's it. The whole thing led to murder, right? Why can't he find another chadami to go out with? I don't know. But the point is, what <laughs> is a little bit of jealousy? A little bit of jealousy leads to murder. That's what happens. This is, and this is actually a Gemara. If you look at the Gemara closely, this is a Gemara. Let me tell you the Gemara. The Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu came to Shammai to receive the Torah. 
Okay, and he comes, and the, the malachim, the angels are there, and the angels say, Ma lielud isha? What is someone who's born of a lady? What is someone who's born of a woman? What's he doing up in Shemaim? So Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm here to receive the Torah. He says, you did. angels say, you're here to receive the Torah. The Torah has been here from thousands of years, from generations before the world even started. How do you deserve the Torah? Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't know what to answer. Hashem says, answer them. He says, I'm so frightened from them. The fire is coming out of their mouth. I can't, how am I supposed to answer the angels? Hashem says, hold on. He's got the whole story. He's giving the hand motions to the story. <laughs> he says, hold on to my kiseha kavod. But you, the main point we want to bring out is the diuk at the end. Hold on to my kiseha kavod and answer them. And the Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu, you can imagine in Shamayim, he has to answer thousands of angels. He's holding on to the throne of Borei Olam and he's trying to respond. And Hashem's Kiddush the Shekhinah, the presence of Shekhinah is upon him and he starts to answer. He says, let's read the Ten Commandments. You can look inside and read what he read to him. He says, the Pasuk says, I am Hashem, your God, and Pasuk Bet, I am Hashem, your God, took you out of Egypt. Angels, is there anybody here who has left Egypt? You've been here the whole time. You haven't left Egypt. It doesn't apply to you. Don't have other gods. Do you see other gods here? Where we live, we have other gods. Our neighbors all have different gods. Up here, do you have any other gods? This doesn't apply to you either. The next pasuk says, Remember, keep the Shabbat. He says, you have to work six days a week to have Shabbat. What are you doing? You don't work six days a week. also. Okay, fine. You have to work six days a week to have a Shabbat. How does Shabbat apply to you? It doesn't apply to you. And then he says, it says, respect your mother and your father. You don't have a mother, you don't have a father. How does this, it doesn't, again, the Torah does not apply to you. It's for, it's for human beings, it's not for angels. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says like this. He says, the Pazuk says, Lo tirzach, don't kill. Lo tinaf, don't commit adultery. Lo tignov, don't steal. What's Moshe Rabbeinu supposed to say here? He's supposed to say, do you have anybody to kill? Do you have anybody to adultery on? Do you have anybody to steal from? That's not what Moshe Rabbeinu says. Moshe Rabbeinu says, it says don't kill, don't steal, and don't, don't commit adultery. Do you have jealousy that could cause you to do all these? That's his response. In other words, the jealousy is the, is the cause, that's the root, the root of all these problems. Yes, exactly, Jeffrey understands. In other words, it's jealousy, it all begins with jealousy that Ambam had a clear understanding. The jealousy is going, could cause... That again, every could cause all these dramatic sins because you become obsessed, you become atzmotav markivin, your, your, your bones are sick, your bones inside, you're obsessed with it. And so now, before we end, we need to have some sort of solution. Right? We need some sort of solution, and we're not at all going to claim that this solution is easy, because when you have a characteristic to break, it's nearly, it's right, it's, it takes a lifetime to do so, but we're going to give, again, the approach of the Chachamim, how to, somewhat, how to answer, to how to start, to begin, to take care of this problem. And we're going to quote now from another book, that is, again, essential, and these are the masters of Musan. And that is the book, Misila Yisharim. You should own this book. If you're Hebrew, English, you should read this book, because the older I get and the more I see we are preparing even for these classes, you see how the paragraphs, just one paragraph is quoted, and you see how tremendous and essential each paragraph is. The Misila Yisharim says, he says here, he says, it's amazing how people have in the 11th panic, he says, people have can ah, they have jealousy. 
And he says, all it does is it comes from a lack of knowledge. It comes from a brain, like a malfunction in the brain. That a person thinks, what he thinks is like we said before, almost win-lose. He thinks that if some reason, if someone else won, I lost. And he continues, he says, but if you understand that everything Hashem gave is exactly destined for you, and what Hashem gave him is destined for him, and you can picture and focus on the world that way, and focus on everything that way, jealousy will slowly but surely subside. Okay? The supporter, one of the commentaries on the Chumash says, you know the way you work on, on jealousy, is you have to think of your house, of your things, and it turns out that's it. The world ends right here. His house is somewhere on Mars. It's got nothing to do with me. What I have here is only what is important to me is what's here in this house. What's my wife, my children, my family, my house, my car, everyone else's things, they can take it and go wherever they want. It has nothing at all to do with me. This is the third attitude on the world. The psychology is used. Listen to this one. Again, this is only for cute sakes. The real thing we're looking for is the words of the Messiah Ayi But the psychologists say that the third and the most productive approach is win-win. Not win-lose, not lose-win. Win-win. Win-win means that his winning has nothing to do with my winning. I could win and he could win. This is not a game. This is not a contest. Hashem has enough. Okay, what it means is Hashem has enough to give him his car and give you your car. His victory is not your defeat in any way, shape, or form. You have your own approach. Your approach to the world should be Morris. Win-win. Okay, that's what our Chachamim are telling us. Again, your approach. No, your approach is where you understand. You understand that we have Hashem gave me my thing. It's my story. I don't care if my car is a 1984. Right. Doesn't matter what it is. If your card, you have what you have, Hashem gave it to you, the rest of the world could go and fly a kite. The Gemara even tells us, the Abot that Rabbi Natan tells us, there are three things that Hashem made, one, every person different from the other. You know this one? Face. Okay, the Gemara, he says, one is face, no. Face, voice, and... No, no, the Gemara says face, voice, and taste. Taste doesn't mean mouth, taste, but taste what people Preferences. like. Preferences. Right, you can't believe that there are Met fans in the world. But there are, okay? In other words, that every person has, right, different tastes. And that's all important. The God says, here's why. People, listen, this, so we're going to get there. That people have a different voice, because if God forbid you didn't have a different voice, you'd come home at night and your wife wouldn't recognize you. That's what Gemara says for that reason. And then the Gemara says, and that's why people have different faces, so that each wife and husband know who their wife and who their husband is. God forbid if everyone had the same face and the same, right, and the same faces, you wouldn't be able to tell. And then the Gemara says, here's why everyone has different tastes. Because if people didn't have different tastes, right, and different passions or desires or whatever, if everyone was the same, right, you'd, everyone, there would be so much jealousy in the world, people would go out of their mind. This way, people have, some people like, some people want to be on wholesale, other people want to be in retail. For some reason, everyone's got their own thing. Some people, like you said, like Coke, and other people like Pepsi. Why Everyone has their own taste so that it gives us a beginning and an approach, again, a starting point to see your world in your own, to see the world, to see what you have in your own life. Not to see what everyone else has because you have your own taste, your own things. It's our job. It's our job. It's our job to build on that. It's our job, like the Messiah Yishayim says, to see that everything is, is not, what we have has nothing to do with everybody else. But at least Hashem starts us off by giving us a different taste, a different desires, different 
different likings so that one person is different than the next. With this, okay, we're close to the end. The Gemara tells us about, we're going to tell us one tremendous Midrash. The Midrash tells us and to see how powerful and how hard it is to overcome jealousy. The Midrash tells us, and this is a long Midrash in, in Echa, tells us about the conversation between Hashem and the Avot when Hashem destroyed the Beit HaMikdash. And this is, a lot of these parts of this conversation are pretty famous. Some of these conversations we even mentioned before. No, this is twice we said it, and this is a different portion. We said it twice, and this is a different time. Jeffrey, I'm glad you got it. Okay. And once was like three years ago, another time was... Okay, here we go. No, but this is a different portion. Hashem is about to destroy the Beit HaMikdash. And Abraham Avinu comes before Hashem and he says, Hashem, Bore Olam. I, you gave me a child after a hundred years. Okay? And after those hundred years, when he was 37 years old, I was willing to put him on a Mizbeach and sacrifice him and have, take all my mercy for my son and sacrifice him for you. Please, out of this zechut, save my children. Hashem says, Nothing no response. Do. Nothing to you. This was not, we didn't say this. You remember that? Yitzchak then comes in. He says, I put my own life on the line. I went on the Mizbeach and I was totally, uh, totally agreed to my father, for my father to take my life. Use that zechut to save my children. Hashem again, nothing doing. Yaakov Avinu comes. Yaakov says, I spent my entire my life in the house of Lavan. Right when I left that brutal house, I meet my brother who's about to kill all my children. Then I finally I survive my brother, and then my children I'm, I have troubles my entire life over all those tests that I overcame. Out of that zikhut, please save my children. And again, Borei Olam doesn't listen. Then comes Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was our leader, he wasn't even his children. And he himself, he says, I spent 40 years leading these people through the desert. They, I didn't take one ounce, one string, one horse, one donkey, nothing from them. And that zikhut, in that merit, saved the Jewish people. Borei Olam again is not listening. And Borei Olam is going to destroy the Beit HaMikdash and send the people out. Until Rachel Imenu comes up. Rachel comes before Hashem and he says, Rachel says, I, my, Yaakov Avinu worked seven years for me. And after those seven years, we had a signs, you know the story. We made a sign and Yaakov decided, if I'm going to come and I'm going to give the sign, Yaakov's going to know it's me. And I found out the night before that my father wants to put my sister in my place. And I gave her the signs. And not only did I give her the signs, I told her to go inside and I was underneath the bed and I spoke and told Yaakov and said the signs with my own mouth so that my sister should be able to receive Yaakov Avinu. At that point, I thought I was giving up Yaakov. That was it. I was, my life was done. I would never be the mother of Shivatim. I would never be Rachel Imenu. I would be some woman who is the daughter of Laban alone. Maybe I'd marry Esav. That was it. And I wasn't jealous. In that zechut, Borei Olam, save the people. In the zechut that I wasn't jealous, don't be jealous, Hashem, you don't be jealous of the other gods and the people worshipping other gods. Please save the Jewish people. Borei Olam said, in this zechut, they're going to be negal. In this zechut, they will one day be redeemed. This is the zechut that's going to work. You were able to overcome the jealousy. You were able to overcome your jealousy, which is a tremendous feat. Again, like we said, people who are jealous, it's an obsession to be able to override that and overcome that. That zikhut will one day, I'm not going to be jealous of the other gods, and one day 
I'm going to take these people out of, and one day I'm going to take these people out of exile. And so I think we answered our two questions. Question number one was, how come this Kinah is so important? Why is Lotachmor, don't be jealous, why is it so important? The answer is very simple. Like we said from the Rambam and the Gemara, it's from here, almost the Luchot, the Ten Commandments could almost start bottom up. It's from here that causes murder, stealing, idolatry, and all the other, these tremendous sins. And question number two was, how come Rashi somehow associated someone who doesn't, who is jealous, his children won't respect him. I'll tell you why. Because if you spend your entire life obsessed with what other people have and the possessions that other people have and the things and their wife, their kids, their family, then you know what? That your child is going to want to be a part of those families. Why should he want you anymore? What is he? Your father, your father, you have, you know, you have problems like everyone else. He's going to see his father. He says, I want somebody else. If you put it into his mind, you train your child to be someone who's jealous, to be someone who's cont- always looking, always thinking win-lose, he's going to one day think, you know what, I lost. I want to go somewhere else to win. I'm not going to win over here. If you train your child to be that way, he's going to be that way. He's not going to be satisfied with his own parents. And with this we're going to end. The Chachamim tells us, Aharon, the Pasuk tells us, the Aharon was worthy of becoming the Kohen Gadol. And what was the Zechut? Because when Moshe Rabbeinu was coming to become the leader, at that time, Aharon was really the leader. Moshe is coming, Aharon's older, and Aharon's the leader. Imagine the strength that Aharon has to muster to be able to come out and greet his brother. Right? Greet his brother who's now going to take him over. His younger brother's going to take him over. He's not going to be the leader of the Jewish people. And the Pasuk says, In his heart, even in the cracks, he was happy. He wasn't just outwardly put on a smile like your neighbor who says, Oh, I'm very happy that you got a good job, but inside he's burning up. Inside there's cracks of light that you can see. No, no, no. He, Aaron, feels that, feels that happiness. Aaron really felt that he's able to go into the Beit HaMikdash. Korach, who was a man who was jealous, he lost. He's not going to be able to ever go. He was, lost his position in the Mishkan. Aharon, who was able to have real, real feelings and a real happiness and really overcome it and think, not think, win, so to speak, win-win. He's not worried, I'm Moshe Rabbeinu can have what he has, Hashem has destined for me what I'm going to have. He's going to become the Kohen Gadol. And the Pasuk says that La'atid Lavo, when Boreh Olam takes us, when, when Mashiach comes, the one character trait, or maybe the main character trait that Hashem is going to get rid of is jealousy. And that is that Hashem, the Pasuk says that the jealousy of Ephraim when the people from Yehuda that are angry are going to be lost. Ephraim Ephraim is not going to be jealous of Yehuda and Yehuda is not going to be jealous of Ephraim. What does that mean? Who's Ephraim and Yehuda? Now she tells us over there, there's Mashiach ben Yosef and then Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben Yosef, Ephraim is Yosef. Mashiach ben Yosef is a man, again, he's going, to fir- he's going to come first. He's going to be maybe the leader of the Jewish people. And then it's going to come Mashiach ben David, ben Yehuda, the next Mashiach, he's going to take over. Those two people, ben Yosef, Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben Yehuda, they're both not going to be jealous of each other. There's one man, he's leading the Jewish people, in comes someone else to take over, and he has no jealousy. That's a tremendous strength. That's what Borei Olam is going to give us, that peace of mind. That we're not going to be sick, not have our bones sick to the bone. We're not going to be possessed with win-lose and thinking about what he has and what I have. We're going to be able to live in harmony because 
because we have no jealousy.